the Apollo Podcast Network. Hello and welcome to Cash Landing, the show where we fall ass backwards into the money and you get richer just by listening. I am your host, Ben, joined as always by my co-host, Aaron. Today we are doing the NBA Western Conference season preview. Last week we did the Eastern Conference, so... If you didn't listen to that, uh, you're going to have both con- both conferences here after this goes live. And uh, Aaron, how we doing? You excited for this for this Western Conference overview? Yeah, you already know the answer to that question. I'm always excited to talk basketball, especially the Western Conference. Uh, we have both of our favorite teams in this conference, so I'm definitely excited to dive right into it. And then uh, at the end of this podcast, Ben, we will have given out our picks on all 30 NBA teams. So yeah, people can go back and listen to our take on every single team in the league. Yep. There was a, it was a tumultuous off season to say the least. Some of the tumult is still, <laughs> is still <laughs> ongoing, especially with my rockets. But uh, the Western conference is always sort of, at least to me, it's sort of the more fun conference. And um, I think there's definitely some fun teams in here and we're going to go ahead and kick it off with the Dallas Mavericks, a team that I don't particularly like, but uh, we can, I can put that aside and look at the line, which is 42 and a half wins. So, Aaron, what do you think about that one? Um, I do like the Mavericks more than you do. They're one of my, you know, fake favorite teams. I'm a Warriors fan, but I, I do really like Lucas, so I root for the Mavericks a little bit. They added uh, Josh Richardson and Tyrell Terry, the rookie this offseason, but they lost Seth Curry and Justin Jackson, a couple shooters. So, uh, 42 and a half, what we're looking at is I'm going to go over, but I think they're going to need pretty good health because the roster is definitely a little bit thin. Porzingis is going to be out till sometime around mid to late January. And, you know, the number one, one of the reasons I like this team is one of the number one uh, issue for them last year was their wing defense. They obviously upgraded that by adding Josh Richardson. I like that. Hopefully Tyrell Terry can uh, replace a little bit of the shooting that Seth Curry provided. But, you know, Luca is the MVP favorite for a reason. I'm expecting a huge year from Luca. I think Porzingis will come back. I think I'm a little higher on Porzingis when he comes back than you are. I do like the roster enough to say they go over 42 and a half wins, but I'm just picking that for the sake of the pod. I would, this is not one of my favorite overs. Yeah, I totally agree that it's it's not one of my favorite. It's not my favorite over and it's not my favorite under either. It's just, I don't really enjoy the line. I'm probably staying away, you know, in real life. But for the sake of the pod, we like to go you know, we like to make a definitive stance so that we can look at it at the end of the year. I'm also going to stay away from this one. However, John, I do think Josh Richardson is underrated just generally as an NBA player. And I think he's a great addition to this team, but I don't love the rest of the roster outside of Luca. I think it's pretty thin. Um, I will say Luca is basically already James Harden at, I mean, what he's 22, right? I mean, he's super young, very young and, and he could, he could definitely take steps beyond that and become, you know, a player that we sort of haven't seen yet. Um, for now, I will take the under because of the depth issues. I do think Luca wins MVP, but I think he might do it on a 500 team. And, um, I don't, yeah, I don't really think Porzingis is a world beater anymore. Even when he is healthy at the, I mean, the, the ACL tear, he doesn't look quite as explosive. He's I, I I think he's definitely a good sidekick, but I was worried this would be a super team when when Lucas signed, and I, I don't think it's ever going to turn into that. Yeah, it's definitely not a super team right now, but I was pretty impressed with what I saw from Chris Tapps last year, but obviously he might not be the same guy when he comes back. Uh, ben, you're taking the under. You, you are aware your boy uh, Timmy Hardaway Jr. is still on this roster, right? <laughs> I do love Timmy Hardaway Jr., but he is not very conducive to wins. <laughs> I mean, he's a pretty important player to this team. Without Seth Curry, he is their like number one lock, like uh, knockdown shooter. Yeah, he's so streaky too. It's funny that he's like you know the outside shooter because I mean, you and I both know sometimes he goes seven for seven and sometimes he goes zero for twelve. Yeah, he does tend to do that. Um, I didn't mention it at the top. We mentioned it on last week's podcast. Just a reminder: this is a seventy-two game season, not a eighty-two game season, so we're factoring that in. So, just anyone who didn't listen to last week's pod but is listening to this one. All these totals are for a 72-game season this year. Yeah, 42 and a half. The, the, the Dallas Mavericks are not projected to be a 500 team. They are projected to be significantly better than a 500 team. Yeah, people have pretty high expectations for the Mavs, rightfully so, but uh, not as high expectations. There are even higher expectations for this next team we're about to talk about. Yeah, you want to move on to the Denver Nuggets, whose line is set at, at 44 and a half. 
Yeah, 44 and a half. They didn't add anyone this offseason. Uh, they did lose, however, Jeremy Grant, Tory Craig, and Mason Plumley. So they did lose some pretty nice depth pieces there. So, Ben, with uh, that offseason, what are you thinking right here for the Nuggets? It's funny because, you know, we can detail the offseason all we want. This is still a super over and actually one of the overs that I feel the most confident in. Yeah, they lost three players and added nobody. The line is 44 and a half. The the Denver Nuggets and the Utah Jazz both are like the always are the two teams that I always take the over for every year. But especially the, the Nuggets, especially with this current roster that they have built. It's just a super deep team with quality players at every position. And then, you know, backups are also quality. Even after losing Grant and Plumley, they have just seven thousand of these guys that can come in and plug the hole. Michael Porter Jr. took a huge step forward. He basically offsets the loss of Jeremy Grant in a different way. I mean, he doesn't perform the same role, but I think pure value-wise and pure wins-wise, he sort of offsets it. Jamal Murray is only 22 years old. He's going to keep getting better. Nikola Jokic is back. I mean, they have a real home court advantage, with which most teams are not going to be able to say this year with the altitude. So I'm definitely taking over on the Nuggets. Yeah, I definitely agree on the over. Uh, it's really the only big home court advantage in the entire NBA. You talked about the altitude. That's going to play a big factor because no one's really going to have many fans. You talked about Michael Porter Jr. That's definitely a big reason in this pick. He looks great on offense. He, he does need to pick it up a little bit on the defensive end of the floor. He gets lost sometimes uh, with his assignments, but the offensive talent was there. He was the firepower they needed sometimes when one of their guys got in foul trouble or just got tired. But Jokic and Murray, I mean, what else is there to say? Murray kind of exploded in the playoffs. We already knew Jokic was a stud. There's not much to dislike about this team. They've got Monty Morris and Will Barton uh, mixing in off the bench, who are both, you know, kind of exciting guys to come off the bench and give you some points. So there is not much to dislike about this team. So I definitely agree with you, Armia, over 44 and a half. Yeah, I mean, it's amazing you can lose Jeremy Grant and still just have all this forward depth that they have. I mean, like, like everybody forgets that Paul Millsap is on this team. Paul Millsap would be like a focal point on a lot of teams. Yeah, Paul Millsap is just another crafty veteran they have in there to help themselves out. I mean, just a little bit off the board here. What do you think about them come playoff time? You think this could be a year they do get over the humper? Probably still a, a, an all-star short of really competing with the Lakers and Clippers. Or they beat the Clippers last year, I guess, the Lakers. Yeah, I mean, probably still an all-star short. I mean, all-star short. The thing is that all-star might be Michael Porter Jr., but it doesn't necessarily have to be this year. I mean, we've seen progression curves take a while, and he definitely showed flashes last season, but I'm not really willing to go all in and say that they have a chance to beat the Lakers. But maybe two years from now when both Porter Jr. and Murray have two more years of development under their under their belts, like they might still be a force in the West. Yeah, and they're already a force right now making the conference finals last year. So definitely a fun team to watch, and we're both on the over there for good reason. So hopefully that one hits for us. Oh, how the mighty have fallen. We're going to move on to Aaron's Golden State Warriors, a team I used to dread looking at the beginning of season total for. I'm sorry, I don't, I don't really mean to revel in your pain here, but uh, the line is set at 38 and a half. Uh, so, I, I mean, this is your team. I'm going to let you go ahead and take it. I mean, I wouldn't mind you reveling in my pain if it was just because the players weren't good anymore, but we know darn well that this total would be 45, 46 and a half if Clay Thompson were healthy, ready to go. Unfortunately, that is not the case. He tragically tore his Achilles. I'm still getting over it to this day. Um, <laughs> they they reacted pretty quickly when Clay went down. They added Kent Bazemore, Kelly Oubre, Brad Wanamaker, and they, of course, drafted James Wiseman, number two overall. Clay Thompson was the only real loss, if you consider him a loss. Uh, 38 and a half, Ben. This one hurts me. I'm going to have to take the under if I'm being completely unbiased. As much as I want them to be really, really good, it's very difficult to rely on Andrew Wiggins and Kelly Oubre to kind of be your two, three guys on offense. When you're talking about your number two and number three scorers, those are the guys you need to show up every single night. They need to be able to run the offense when Steph rests and he's on the bench. They need to be able to set up plays for others and take care of the ball. Those are not things that Andrew Wiggins and Kelly Oubre do with too much consistency. I'm worried about turnovers. I'm a little worried about the defense. There's a chance the defense might be all right, especially if Draymond stays healthy. But, I mean, if either Draymond or, God forbid, Steph goes down, this is an easy under. And even if they stay healthy, I'm worried it might be an under. 
I wouldn't actually bet it because, you know, I'm obviously not going to do that for obvious reasons. And Steph Curry's still on this team, but yeah, I'm unfortunately going to take the under here. Yeah, I mean, I, I agree. I will say that Kelly Uber and Kent Bazemore are nice additions that will make the team fun to watch for sure. Um, Bazemore, especially with the two-way. I mean, you're looking at Bazemore and Draymond Green as I think the only good defenders that I can name on this team, which is a problem. Ubre's sneaky, and Looney's solid, but yeah. Yeah, oh, I, 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 yeah I forgot about Kevon Looney, but I don't feel great about the team defense. It's not as bad as the Bulls at all. Like It's not even in the same stratosphere, but it's it's certainly not good. I think the offense is going to be fine. One one of Steph or Ubre or Bazemore or, um, or Wiggins or, or whoever is going to show up on any given night, I think, but it's going to be rare that two of them do. So the defense worries me enough. I'm, I'm going to have to agree with you on the under. It is close though. I mean, I, I, I think the team sneaks into the playoffs for sure. I like, I don't think it's going to be a, a super down year. And James Wiseman is like a real wild, wild card. I think there's a good chance. James Wiseman is a, is a good NBA player at some point. I don't know if it's going to be right away in his rookie year though. Yeah. One of the unfortunate things that's happened this preseason is, uh, Draymond took hazing a little too far. He got COVID, and I think he gave it to James Wiseman as kind of a hazing act. So Draymond or Wiseman has not played in any of the preseason games or participated in any practices yet, which is obviously problematic for a rookie trying to learn to be a part of a team that has high expectations. Um, It's unfortunate, man. I mean, I'm going to – hopefully I'm wrong. Hopefully I'm wrong, and Kelly Oubre and Andrew Wiggins are great. Draymond's back, and Steph Curry is out there – taking 30 shots a game and winning the MVP, but might not happen. We're both going to go under. And I, I guess now we got to talk about your team. Yeah. The, I, I do want to say I was, I was watching the preseason game the other night of like, I think it was them versus the Kings. That was last night. Um, yeah. That was a good game. Yeah. But like the first half was Kings scored like 75 points or whatever. And I was just like, how is this happening? I didn't actually know that Draymond and Wiseman were out. So that, that makes a lot more sense now. Yeah, it was all in the second quarter, too. It was crazy. The Warriors were up by, like, 10, and then the Kings were up by 20. Next thing you know, but that's not too important right now. But Kyle Guy, we'll get to him later. He was lighting it up. It was ridiculous. Yeah, that was, that was crazy. So, yeah, so we're going to move on to my team, which is the Houston Rockets. Um, I, I talked about this being a tumultuous offseason. I'm I'm still stressed every day. But regardless, the, the line is set at 35 and a half. The Rockets went through – just a ton of moves. I mean, the, the team is more or less the same, but all of the role players are different. Uh, they added Boogie Cousins, John Wall, Christian Wood, and Gerald Green. And they ended up trading away or just outright getting rid of Robert Covington, Jeff Green, Luke Mbamute, Dabo Cephalosha, Russell Westbrook, and Austin Rivers. So, again, the reason I say the team is mostly the same is because, you know, West, Westbrook for Wall is essentially a side grade. Covington is gone, but they replaced him with Christian Wood and then got DeMarcus Cousins. So there's actually big men on this roster now. Um, all of the wings are still there. Eric Gordon, Danwell House, Ben McLemore, uh, Eric Gordon. So I don't know. To me, it's still the same team. I'm going to take the over. This this line feels very small, but I'm going to let Aaron go ahead and talk about his his reasoning. Well, Ben, you mentioned there are actual big men on this team now. I guess this should be a good chance that I can let you clear the air on the official uh, your official take on the James Harden picture circulating. I feel like it was probably a bad angle, but I want to get your take. It was, it was definitely – yeah, we haven't even talked about this yet. It was definitely a bad angle, and also his weight fluctuates all the time anyways. It's not like – I mean, he's looked huge at points and very skinny at other points in his career, and it, you know – it it's not necessarily indicative of anything. He looks like James Harden always looks, but yeah. that was a re- that was a really bad angle. Because <laughs> you saw the video from literally the day before of him shooting in the gym, right, where he looked like skinny. Yeah, I thought yeah. he had, like lost a lot of weight, and then he comes out last night looking like Prop Joe from The Wire. I was <laughs> I was very confused. I'm gonna go with a bad angle. I'm ex- I do have high expectations for Harden if he decides to play, which as of now. It does seem like he's going to be playing, so that's how I'm going to operate when making this pick. I'm going to go over, even though Ben disparaged my team. I'm going to I'm going to be a good person and take. Yeah, the you're, over. you're truly the bigger man. I'm the bigger man. I'm going to take the over. Uh, yeah, you said it. Uh, John Wall for Russell Westbrook. That's essentially a Spider-Man meme. Christian Wood could be good. Eric Gordon, solid. Daniel House, we know can be streaky. PJ Tucker is PJ Tucker, uh, very gritty. 
these guys are real players. The roster's solid. As long as Harden is out there being regular season James Harden, emphasis on the regular season part, I think they're going to be solid. I doubt they're under 500 if Harden is on this team, which that's how I'm going to operate. So I'm going to go over 35 and a half. Yeah, I mean, my whole thing with this line is actually, and I, I feel I know I feel differently than you about this because you you don't love it and I love it, um, which you know that might be my fandom talking, and if so, I'm not really even sorry for it. But I will say, I will say real quick, the only reason I don't love it is because there's still a part of me that thinks Harden is getting traded, so that's yeah, the only no, reason I, I don't love it. I, I totally agree. I think I think that's baked into the line here for sure. Um, but so my, my thing is that the Houston Rockets haven't sniffed 500 since 2015. Um, of course that's with James Harden on the roster. Every time this supporting cast is way better than like, say Luka Doncic's supporting cast. So even if Luka is better than Harden, I still expect the Rockets to, to, to win more. If Harden stays on the team, that is, I, it doesn't seem like he's going to Kawhi his way onto the bench or, or, you know, uh, Anthony Davis's way onto the bench and make the whole city hate him. I, you know, he didn't want to sign an extension, but that's, that doesn't mean he won't play out the last year. So even let's take worst case scenario, everything goes wrong, including a Harden trade. So you're left with like, you know, let's say he goes to the 76ers, you have Ben Simmons and the current roster, or you, he goes to the Nets, you get back Dinwiddie, Allen and Levert, and then the rest of the roster. I still think that team is a 500 team in both of those cases, like absolute worst case, Dinwiddie, Allen, Levert, and the rest of the Rockets roster, I think is a 500 team. The Dinwiddie, Allen, Levert, with the rest of the current roster, they could roll out like a 14-man rotation. That would be hilarious. That's what I'm saying. And like, like what, I mean, people, not people, but when James Harden goes, or if James Harden goes, something is going to come back in return. It's not just going to be picks because this is James Harden. So I think that people maybe are taking like the James Harden trade a little too seriously and and just hammering the under and that's why Vegas said it like that I don't know I mean it's hard to outthink Vegas but I really do just feel like even worst case scenario the Rockets are 500 this year yeah I think another reason the line could be so low I think people are a little lower on John Wall than we are you know you kind of talked me into it you said everyone said he looks great he's looked pretty good in the preseason so I'm kind of banking that into me picking the over but if I had to guess part of the reason why a lot of people are on the under and why it is so low. I think that might be a lot of John Wall health and quality of play skepticism, if I had to guess. Yeah, I, I cert- I don't expect John Wall to play 72 games this year or Boogie Cousins, for that matter. I mean, hopefully they can play 55 each. Um, but yeah, I mean, John Wall looks laterally quick. He's looked healthy in the preseason. He do- It does look like he has a little less vertical bounce, like he doesn't get up as high as you know you used to be seeing John Wall get up. But that's okay to me. I mean, he's he's a lot more of a true point guard than Russell Westbrook. He relies on his speed more than anything. So, you know, if he can just run a true point guard with all of those shooting wings and and the defensive wings that they have, then I, I, I like the roster enough. I don't think they're going to challenge the Lakers, but I think they're definitely going to go 500 or better, which is yeah. what the line is at. Yeah, which is why we're both taking it. Definitely going to be an interesting team to watch this year. So I am looking forward to watching some Rockets games, which I haven't been able to say too much in the past. Yeah, I mean, I, I I'm gonna be honest. When James Harden leaves, like I'm gonna enjoy a little bit of the end of ISO ball. It it's it's been a long eight years, just in terms of defending the man. <laughs> yeah, no, I definitely could see that if I were a Rockets fan. Yeah. So anyway, we're we're gonna go ahead and move on to a team that I do think is gonna push the LA Lakers, and that's gonna be the other team in LA, the LA Clippers. The line is set at forty six and a half. Aaron, you want to run through the transactions? Yeah, they added Nicholas Batum in his uh, $8 bajillion contract. But <laughs> no, they're not actually paying him all the money the Hornets are, which is still hilarious. They added Serge Ibaka. They added Luke Kennard. But they did lose Montrez Harrell and Landry Shamit. So that's a somewhat active offseason. All five of those guys are pretty relevant. I was very high on the Clippers last year. I had them winning the whole thing. I doubled down on that multiple times throughout the season. I... I thought I was in pretty good shape with that prediction. They blew a 3-1 lead to the Nuggets. Sometimes that kind of thing happens in the NBA. Um, 46 and a half, I'm going to take the over. They played exactly 72 games last regular season and won 49 of them. I still absolutely love this team. I think Ibaka and Kennard are going to be good ads. They still have Lou Williams and Pat Beverly providing that scoring and defensive impact off the bench. I like Marcus Morris. I like Zubac. I basically just really like the roster. Kawhi and Paul George speak for themselves. 
So I'm going to have to go over. They went over by multiple games last year. I think they could be even better in their second year together. So I think this could definitely be a 50-win team. Yeah, I, I totally agree. I, I think it is a 50-win team, actually. I'm taking the over as well. I think, you know, for all that Paul George is getting clowned on right now for how he performed in the in that Nuggets series, he's a great NBA player. I expect him to bounce back in the regular season. Uh, I think the team is going to push for the one seed again. I wouldn't be surprised if they got it. I think Serge Ibaka is actually a much better fit on this team than Montrez Harrell was. Um, I think they're really going to appreciate. I mean, the, the defensive starting five now is just, I mean, that's unreasonable. Luke Kennard can do all the things that Landry Shamit did and maybe even a little more. Um, it's just a ridiculous defensive team with, with Lou Williams scoring on you all the time and then Kawhi or Paul George taking over when they need to. I mean, there's no holes here. It's the same team. They're going to win just as many games, if not more. Yeah, I mean, I feel like people are going to be down on Paul George. People have to remember the joke is playoff P. The joke is not regular season P because <laughs> Paul George is, is very good in the regular season. And hopefully the pandemic's over. We can't even call him pandemic P. We might be calling him pandemic P for a while, but who knows? That <laughs> one's going to stick with him forever. That is one of the only good things that has come out of this pandemic was that nickname. <laughs> Oh man, I used to really like Paul George too. Uh, do you remember that that uh, Pacers Heat series where he was like going toe to toe with LeBron James in like 2013? I thought yes. I thought he was I thought he was legit, man. Everyone. I thought he was like the, thought he was the next, you know, whatever. I thought he was going to be the next Kevin Durant, I guess. No, he was like the third player, the third best player in the league, hands down. Like that wasn't really a debate. It was LeBron, KD, and Paul George was number three. Um, yeah, Paul George, he's kind of gone down over the years, you know. Damian Lillard splashed that three in his face, and then he cried about it and said it was a terrible shot. That was a bad look. <laughs> it's just not a good look. to Like, even if it is a bad shot, you don't say it. No, not after he just eliminated you 50 feet from the hoop. That was tough. <laughs> yeah, it's crazy. All right, but yeah, we both like this over pretty aggressively, I think. I'm ready to talk about the Lakers. Yeah, we can go ahead and talk about the Lakers. I, I feel similar about the Lakers as I did with the Clippers, but I think I'm actually even a little more. No, that's not true. I am way more confident in the, in the Clippers than I am with the Lakers. However, uh, the Lakers offseason went like this. Uh, they added Mark Gasol, Montrez Harrell. So Montrez Harrell, you know, drove 45 minutes. They added Wes Matthews and Dennis Schroeder, and they lost Avery Bradley, Danny Green, JaVale McGee, Dwight Howard, and Rajon Rondo. So Aaron, what do you think about these, this new look Lakers roster? Why do you drive 45 minutes if they play in the same arena? Uh, I mean, you got to move to the other side of town, right? You can't, you can't get caught up by all the Lakers fans. Do you? I'm sorry, but the other by side of the town? Clippers fans. No, I'm totally kidding. I'm sure he <laughs> literally didn't move anywhere. Yeah, he, he must have really liked his house. That might have played a part in it. Um, yeah, so I'm gonna. T- it was a ridiculously good offseason for the Lakers, but I think that is mostly going to be reflected in the playoffs because. There is no reason for the Lakers to care about this regular season. Home court is not going to matter because there's not going to be fans. So home court's not that big of a deal. The only thing that's going to matter to the Lakers this year is going into the playoffs with a healthy Anthony Davis and a healthy LeBron James. That's all that matters. That's why I'm going to take the under. I think either Davis or LeBron is going to go down with an injury this year after the quick turnaround. They both logged really heavy minutes in the NBA title run. I said they don't need the home court. I think loads will be heavily managed, Ben. I think load management will be taken to a whole new degree with Anthony Davis and LeBron this year. I'm going to take the under for the sake of the pod. I would not actually bet it because I think they're the best team in the NBA. So (laughs) that's one reason not to bet an under. But for the sake of the regular season, I don't think they're really going to care that much. Man, you have you have convinced me. I was ready to take the over for the sake of the pod. I will not do it anymore. You are right. They have no reason to, you know, to try to hit 50 wins in the regular season. They I I had not previously considered that home field doesn't really matter or I'm sorry, home field. Home court doesn't really matter. You're right. Home court really doesn't matter in this season. Uh I'm not touching this line either way either, but for the sake of the pod, I will also take the under. I don't want to take it cuz I mean the roster only got better. Uh, Marcus Gasol, Montrez Harrell, Dennis Schroeder replacing uh, the two old centers and Avery Bradley and Danny Green. And I'm sorry, Wes Matthews actually replaces Danny Green. And then Dennis Schroeder replaces Avery Bradley. I mean, that bench unit is now has a lot of scoring with Schroeder and Harrell. And I mean, we know how good the Lakers are defensively. So 
it's it's certainly a scary team, but the over is also scary to take for all the reasons that Aaron provided. So I, I'm I'll go under for the sake of the pod. I'm not touching this line with a ten foot pole though. Yeah, when it comes to the playoffs, man, I mean Schroeder and Harrell is going to be Williams and Harrell, but maybe even a little better. Schroeder's so good; he's going to be the perfect guy to provide some offense whenever LeBron's resting. So yeah, this team is going to be a different animal when it comes to the playoffs. But regular season, uh, I'm going to go under. Yeah, we both agree. Yes. Yeah, I totally agree. And so we can move on to the Memphis Grizzlies, 31 and a half. They did nothing during the offseason, nothing at all. No, there was nothing of note. I mean, no didn't they, player. Didn't they, tra- I- they, they had Josh Jackson and then traded him away or something. I, I thought they did that. Yeah, you you seem to be higher on Josh Jackson than me because I was of the opinion that he was not even relevant enough to list on the dock. But then you have him as kind of like, an impact ish guy. So yeah, I guess you well, can start I mean, with that. Tell me on Josh Jackson. I think he's just an absolute well, he's, bust. He's not actually on the Grizzlies anymore. He got traded away yeah, to the Pistons. But I saw that later. But yeah, I mean, I, 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 I liked pieces of what I saw from Josh Jackson and he's only in his third year. So I thought maybe he could take a step forward. That was basically it. Yeah. Okay. I got you. I'm taking the under. This line is 31 and a half. It is pretty low. Uh, they were better than this last year. I just feel like they're missing a couple guys. I I feel like they need some veterans that can come off the bench and run the offense and score the ball whenever jaw is resting. I don't really like people off the bench. I don't see who puts the ball in the hoop without, you know, besides the starting five, if something were to happen to jaw or triple J or Dylan Brooks, I don't have much confidence. I am fine with the starting five. I like Jonas Valanciunas. I mean, I'm really high on Ja. Don't don't get it twisted just because I'm taking the under. I really like Ja as a player, but I don't think this team can stack up with the playoff teams. And if something were to happen to Ja, they're going to get absolutely smoked. I would give a slight lean to the under on this one. Yeah, we 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 see this roster very differently. I'm taking the over. I actually I really like the over. I see a lot of sort of two way depth pieces. Justice Winslow can run an offense. Kyle Anderson can shoot. They can all play defense. Anthony Melton has a lot of steps forward to take. I really like the the sort of potential of Melton. I see I see three viable NBA centers in Valanciunas, Triple J, and um, Gorg- Gorgie Jang. Um, I don't think many of these guys have even come close to their ceilings. Brandon Clark was my absolute favorite guy from last year's draft class. We haven't even talked about him. He's he's the most efficient, or he was the most efficient rookie by far. And he should only get more minutes as he adjusts to the NBA along with Triple J. He only got like 24 minutes a game last year. I think this team can only go up from last year and they won 32 games. So I, I just I like every position's depth and I, I feel pretty strong about this over. My only reservation is Aaron is what Aaron's criticism that maybe they're not going to be able to put the ball on the hoop at times. The only real shooters on this team are like Mario Hazonia and Dylan Brooks. Um, but a lot of these guys like Triple J and Jaw and Kyle Anderson, they can shoot well enough to space the floor at least. And I think that's the more important thing. Yeah, I, I'm not strong on the under. Um, Justice Winslow is an interesting one. I think he might even make or break this because he still has the potential. He's had a really hard time staying on the floor. So hopefully for his sake, he can stay on the floor this year. Uh, D'Anthony Melton, I haven't seen much from him, but you see a little bit of potential, so we'll see how that works out. I do kind of like Kyle Anderson. I agree with you on Brandon Clark, but I feel like all these guys are still, most of the really young guys are just going to be a year away with the exception of Ja, who's, you know, really good now. I just don't think it's enough. You know, we've already talked about the Rockets, the Warriors, the Lakers, the Clippers, the Nuggets. I mean, I would take any of those teams head-to-head against the Grizzlies. I know, obviously, they're going to pull a couple upsets here and there, but yeah, we'll disagree on this one, and you know we'll just have to see how it works out. Yeah, I mean that's totally fine because we can go ahead and talk about a team that the Grizzlies that the Grizzlies are much better than, and that's going to be the Minnesota Timberwolves. Boy, I hate this team. Their their line is twenty eight and a half, and I don't like any part of this roster except for Carl Anthony Towns. Yeah, you're going to get no disagreement from me here. They added Anthony Edwards with the first overall pick in the draft. They added Rondé Hollis Jefferson, and they got back Ricky Rubio. Um, man. Tough, tough time to be Ricky Rubio. You get away from the Minnesota Timberwolves, <laughs> and then all these years later, you are back on the Minnesota Timberwolves. They lost Evan Turner, who didn't really even do much for them last year. 28 and a half is pretty low, but I'm going to go under with a lot of confidence. This team is not going to be able to guard anyone, 
Um, their guards are Ricky Rubio and D'Angelo Russell. Those guys don't play defense. Their main big guy is Carl Anthony Towns. Carl Anthony Towns does not play any defense. Um, their only defender with potential was their rookie last year, Jarrett Culver. He did not show much of anything last year. I don't think he's going to be a great NBA player, especially not this year. There's not much to like about this roster. If Anthony Edwards is going to be good, he's going to be good five years from now because he's really raw. He's definitely going to struggle in his first year in the NBA. Carl Anthony Towns has never cared about leading this team to a bunch of victories in the past. I don't see how that changes this year. So, yeah, this team is going to be a punching bag for the rest of the Western Conference. I'm going under. Yeah, I mean, Jarrett Culver and Josh Okogie, and I mean, those are good DraftKings guys. They do not lead the Minnesota Timberwolves to wins. I totally agree with the under. I think they should be down like with the Cavaliers and all those teams in the East as far as totals go. They're in an even tougher conference. D'Angelo Russell and Carl Anthony Towns are a really bad defensive duo. I would be very surprised if one of them was not traded in the near future. Uh, I'm going under, and I feel pretty good about it. Yeah, I also feel good about it. Don't want to spend too much time talking about the Timberwolves because they're they're a disgrace. <laughs> Why are we, man, we just, we rip on the Brewers, then we rip on the Timberwolves. It's not like we even dislike these teams. (laughs) So yeah, something about certain teams just really make me angry. And the Timberwolves definitely fall in that category. It's just like, Carl Anthony, whenever Jimmy Butler took the worst players on the team and just absolutely destroyed Carl Anthony Towns and Andrew Wiggins in that practice and was supposedly talking mad crap the entire time, that just made me a huge Jimmy Butler fan. It made me really hate the rest of the Timberwolves because Jimmy Butler, I mean, they made him want to like quit basketball. They, he hated the Timberwolves so much. Yeah. I mean, you, it's gotta be like a special breed of Softness. like complacency. Yeah. Just like being okay with, with where you're at to, to drive Jimmy Butler out of there the way that they did. Yeah, I guess also I'm very anti-Timberwolves because the Golden State Warriors have their draft pick this year, as long as it's not in the top three. So I'm rooting for them to be the fourth worst team in the NBA this year. <laughs> oh, so you, this is a this is a biased under, I understand. Slightly biased. I need the Warriors to have that you know top five pick next year. Well, regardless, we can go ahead and move on from the Timberwolves and, and go into the New Orleans Pelicans, whose line is set at 35.5. So this is another team that Vegas expects to hover around 500. Um, their offseason moves include adding Steven Adams and Eric Bledsoe. They traded Drew Holiday for Eric Bledsoe, so they lost Derek Favors, Drew Holiday, Etwan Moore, and Jaleel Okafor. Um, so, I mean, those are four players that all played, but they do get an upgrade for sure in Steven Adams and, you know, maybe a side grade or a slight downgrade the way you want to look at it in Eric Bledsoe. So what do you think about the Pelicans this year, Aaron? The Pelicans are another team that's really fun to watch. Uh, we didn't jot down our league pass slash file of sport rankings, but we definitely have to do that at the end because the Pelicans are definitely going to be on there for me. 35 and a half. So essentially, are they going to be 500 or are they not going to be 500? I'm going to say they will be. I'm going to take the over. I think the Bledsoe for Drew swap, I think that's going to be fine, especially in the regular season. Bledsoe's always been solid in the regular season. He knows how to put the ball in the hoop. Uh, he's pretty good on defense, actually. Brandon Ingram, he has gotten better every single year. I think that continues to happen. And then I don't really know what there is to say about Zion. I mean, there's a bunch to say because he's such a fascinating player. But basically, I just think Zion's going to be awesome. I think that's going to start this year. Hopefully, he stays healthy. I've always liked Steven Adams as a player. This is just a really complete team. They've got Lonzo, a solid distributor, running the show with Bledsoe. There's a lot of depth. They've got a new coach in there. They're going to play hard. They're going to bring it every single night. I really, really love this over. I think this is going to be kind of a breakout year for the Pelicans. Yeah, I I also like the over. I think maybe I'm a little less bullish than you, but this is still one of my favorite overs on the board. I think that it's the same philosophy as the Grizzlies for me personally. I expect all of these young players, especially the ones from that Lakers trade, to take a step forward. I expect Zion to especially to take a step forward. And if he's on the court for any more than he was last year, that's just a straight upgrade. Um, I expect all of those to sort of offset what I, I do. I do see Bledsoe as a downgrade from Drew Holiday. I think Drew Holiday is a better player, but regardless, Steven Adams is an upgrade over Derek Favors. So sort of evens out there anyways. Um, lots of depth to cover any injuries. I like Josh Hart as a, as a bench wing. Um, I, I I agree. This has the potential to absolutely smash the over if Zion comes out and is actually LeBron James 2.0 like he was marketed to be. 
Yeah, LeBron James 2.0 would be quite the hit for the over, but even if he's not that, I think he's going to be really, really good. So we both definitely love the over there. I'm excited to watch Pelicans games this year. Yeah, yeah. I mean, they're going to be a fun team to watch. Um, Last year, the Oklahoma City Thunder were a fun team to watch. I don't expect that to continue this year. The line is set very low. I, I remember vividly taking the under on them last year. So, you know, take this with a grain of salt. I took the under on them last year. CP3 had a had a bounce back year for the ages, basically, and, and they smashed the over. But the line is set at 23 and a half. They added Trevor Ariza, George Hill, Al Horford, Justin Jackson, and basically the mother load of draft picks. The reason they got all these picks, you're about to find out when I list off these names. They lost Steven Adams, Danilo Gallinari, Nerlens Noel, Chris Paul, Andre Roberson, and Dennis Schroeder. So the entire roster, basically. Yeah, I mentioned earlier how the Warriors have the draft pick from the Timberwolves. Um, every other pick in the next seven drafts are going to be selected by the Oklahoma City Thunder besides that one, <laughs> as far as I understand. That's, it's, you're not far off. Yeah. So 23 and a half, that is very low for a team that was literally the five seed in the Western Conference last year. But I'm going to take the under. I mean, where, Ben, is this team going to score points? Where are the points going to come from? The answer is likely nowhere besides Shea Gilgis-Alexander, who looks like he's going to be just a young, exciting player putting up good stats on a bad team because it's not going to be enough to lead to wins. This team is clearly in a rebuild, and we know in the NBA – the first couple of years of a complete rebuild can look pretty ugly. And I think it might look a little ugly for the Thunder this year. So I'm definitely going to take the under. I just don't know who is putting the ball in the hoop. Yeah. I mean, Al Horford, you know, is still probably going to have his good games now and then they have, the problem is like all of these players are, should be complimentary pieces off the bench and they're going to be asked to carry, you know, everyday roles in which they're going to have to produce every day. And even, even SGA, who we both really like and who I think is a great guard and is going to be a great guard in the future, he's not ready to consistently carry an offense on his shoulders. There's a reason Chris Paul did it for most of the year last year. I totally agree with the under. This team's future is really bright, but it will not look like it this year. Um, Shea Gilgis-Alexander is going to end up being like seven and a half grand on DraftKings because he's just going to be the only one touching the, the basketball. Yeah, he's going to be awesome. I mean, he's going to put up a lot of good stats. Uh, he's great, but unfortunately... The rest of his team is not going to be great. He's going to be asked to shoulder the load and, you know, he's going to be good, but he's the number one option on this team. So if you go, if you go back and think about every other team in the Western conference that we've talked about and think about their number one option, you know, Shea's just not there yet. So we are definitely both on the under here. Yeah. I mean, even think of, I mean, he is worse than the Timberwolves number two option in D'Angelo Russell, I would say I, I would, I mean, like for this season, I would rather have D'Angelo Russell than Shea Gilchis Alexander. Obviously that's different for the future, but like that's nuts we're taking the under on the timberwolves and shea gilders alexander is the thunder's best player yeah no we're in agreement here for sure all right so we can move on to the phoenix suns i think we don't agree here if i yeah i'm just i'm skimming the document we do not agree here so the phoenix suns their their over under is set at 39 and a half so this is supposed to be better than 500 aaron i'll let you go ahead and take away with the transactions yeah, this was a very tilting offseason for me when it comes to the Phoenix Suns because I was another, you know, the Phoenix Suns are another one of my fake favorite teams because I really love Devin Booker. But what did they do? They went and add my least favorite player in the NBA, Chris Paul. So they added Chris Paul. They added Jamison Crowder. Um, <laughs> you mean Jay Crowder? No, Jamison Crowder. He's not tall enough to play small forward <laughs> in the NBA. Oh, man, I would love to see Jamison Crowder try and just fit into the Jay Crowder jersey. He'd be too short. He would be too short. Um, <laughs> Chris Paul, Jay Crowder, Damian Jones, and Etwan Moore, who they added. They lost Aaron Baines, uh, Frank Kaminsky, Kelly Oubre, and Ricky Rubio. 39 and a half. This was a very, very hard one for me to digest. I thought about this for a while. I ended up going with the over. I worry a lot about CP3 and his injuries coming back this year and just him being worse because he's been in the NBA since 1972. Um, I believe in Devin Booker so much that I'm going to have to take the over because I just believe in Devin Booker more than I doubt CP3. DeAndre Ayton, he's definitely underrated. Uh, He gets a bad rap for some reason. I'm not really sure. He's pretty good down low. He's got a nice little jump shot. He blocks a lot of shots. He gets a lot of rebounds. He's very solid. CP3 is going to make him better. Bridges kind of emerged last year. Hopefully CP3 can make him a little better. 
I think they can get to 40 wins. They learned how to win some games last year in the bubble. I think they can ride a little bit of that momentum into the beginning of the season for some early season wins while Chris Paul is still a little bit uh, fresh and healthy before his hamstrings give out on him. So I'm going to take the over. I'm not too confident in it, but I really think this could be a Devin Booker breakout year. He could be like a dark horse to win the scoring title. Yeah, I mean, I think the reason that DeAndre Ayton gets a bad rap is because he was the number one pick in the draft, you know, in front of the guys that he was in front of. Yeah, they they should, probably should have taken Luca. Hindsight. You know. Yeah, <laughs> I, I, it's just, and then he immediately got suspended for the drug thing or whatever that was. Yes, the drug thing that did happen. So, I mean, I I definitely understand why you know people are low on DeAndre Ayton, but you know, all that said, you you're correct. He's a he's a, he's definitely a good NBA player and a good center with with room to grow. Um, I also don't really like this line very much. I'm gonna stay away in real life for the sake of the pod. I'm going to take the under. Um, I'm going to bank on the CP3 regression. I didn't believe in him last year. I'm going to double down and not believe in him this year. Um, I don't think that this team's chemistry is going to work out as well as Chris Paul's time in Oklahoma City did. I think Devin Booker is going to have to unlearn a lot of things that he's been doing for three years now, um, where, you know, guys like Shai Gilgis Alexander didn't really know anything besides how to, you know, operate within the CP3 offense. And I will say, CP3 isn't like a hyperspace jump away in playmaking from like Ricky Rubio. The one thing that Ricky Rubio is good at are the things that CP3 is good at. So I I don't know. I don't know if it really makes like a seven win difference. It might, but you know, with the combination of injury and the regression, I expect, I think maybe it doesn't. I I will also say Kelly Oubre and Aaron Baines were pretty important to the team last year. Aaron Baines will be less important assuming DeAndre Aiton doesn't get suspended for drugs again, but I'm not really sure if like Michael Bridges and Frank Kaminsky can, can cover those gaps. Yeah, it's definitely a fair argument. I'm not taking the over, you know, only because they added CP3. I'm definitely banking mostly on Booker taking it to even another level, Aiton getting better and Bridges getting better. I agree with you. Oubre was a pretty big loss. He, he did some good things for them down the stretch. I just think when push comes to shove, they're going to be in a lot of close games and CP three and Devin Booker is a really good combination to have running your offense in close games. So I think they can win some tight games. I think they now have the firepower to get a couple of blowout wins against bad teams. So I just like their chances to, you know, squeak out enough wins to get there for me. Yeah. I mean, you, you talk all the time about how, you know, it's a guard dominated league and you're completely correct in that. Um, I think it's a little more important in the playoffs than in the regular season, because I think the, that, you know, your guards are going to have off days a lot more in the regular season than when they're super locked in in the playoffs, like when they are. And also I don't really love the team defense. I mean, the Suns play with a really fast pace, so it does skew the defensive metrics a little bit, but I can't point to a whole lot of plus defenders here. Yeah. I wonder if they will play slower this year because we just know traditionally CB three teams have been playing a lot slower at these later stages in his career. So I'm wondering if he's going to work into their system or if he's going to kind of come in and build his own system. That'll be interesting to watch. Yeah, I, I do expect it to be a little bit of a CP3 system, but I would I would actually really enjoy seeing, you know, the Suns keep playing the game that they're playing and then CP3 try to try to adjust to that. Yeah, he might only last like seven games if that happens though, unfortunately. <laughs> yeah, there is a there is a possibility for sure. <laughs> yeah. All right. So the Suns are definitely gonna be a really interesting team to watch. We've said that about a lot of teams in the West, but that is why the West is the best conference. Yeah, I, we we say it every time. Yeah, and we're gonna go ahead and move on to the Portland Trailblazers. Their line is set at forty and a half. They traded for Robert Cummington from the Houston Rockets. They got Derrick Jones Jr. and they got Enos Cantor. Um, Enos Cantor was added to replace Hassan Whiteside, who they lost, and they also lost Trevor Reza, who we just talked about, is on the uh, the Thunder now. Yeah, these additions are like pretty funny because if you just look at it. Basically, they added two really good wing defenders, and then they added the worst defensive player in the NBA. <laughs> so it's funny just to have those guys listed three guys in a row, but you know they're not going to bank on that many minutes from Cancer. No, yeah, I mean, yeah, I mean we can only we can only hope that they won't. Yeah, hopefully not. Um, Forty and a half wins is the line here. I'm going to take the under. This seems really high to me. They won 35 games last year in a 72 game season. 
yes, they were out uh, Nurkic most of the year. Nurkic is presumably back and healthy. The main problem for them was defense, and they did add Covington and Jones. But all that combined, I'm not sure it's going to be a six-win improvement. Nurkic is shown to be a little bit injury-prone. I expect him to miss some games this year. Damian Lillard, people just kind of fall in love with him because he's just so fun to watch. He's got a great personality. He's really loyal to his team. I understand why people like Damian Lillard. I like Damian Lillard myself. But I think he's getting to the point where he was one of those guys that was underrated all those years. But people talked about him being underrated so much that he's become just a little bit overrated. I don't want this to be like a hot take, but he doesn't do the off the ball stuff that guys like, you know, Steph Curry and some of the other great players in the league do. He doesn't quite have the assist and the playmaking. He's there as a scorer, but I'm not sure the rest of his game is quite there as far as off the ball playmaking ability. I think 40 and a half is a pretty high line. I'm going to take the under here. I took the under last year and was correct. So I'll go back to the well even though I think Robert Robert Covington was a really great ad by them. Yeah, I mean, Robert Covington was like the Rockets' second best player for most of the season last year, which frustrated me to no end. But I, I, I think that's an interesting take. You're basically making Damian Lillard Bryce Harper, where he he's just been so under, or he was so underrated for so long that people overcorrected. Yeah, that's basically what I'm saying. I think just now there's just a little bit too much love. Like, he, he's got a little bit of, you know... He doesn't do much off the ball, which is pretty important. Yeah, it's interesting. So, I mean, I, I'm not going to bury the lead here. I agree with the under. Um, I I really like Yusuf Nurkic, and I remember talking about it last year. I think that Yusuf Nurkic is like has flashes where he's like a top three center in the NBA. But that injury was just so horrific, and I, I don't expect him to play 72 games this year at all. Uh, Hassan Whiteside also took over some games last year, even though I don't really like Hassan Whiteside as a player. He he did, you know, provide some value, and now he's gone. The games where they have to basically start Enos Cantor are going to be horrible. Um, they're just going to pick on Enos Cantor in a pick and roll, and all of these like defensive minded wings aren't going to matter. So I'm going to take the under. I think that they probably win 38 or 39 games. Yeah, it's another close one. I'm not as heavy on it as I was last year. Um, there's always a chance Lillard just explodes and takes his game to a whole nother level. But as constructed right now, I feel pretty safe taking the under, but we'll see how it yeah. works out. Yeah. And then, so we can move on to the Sacramento Kings. If you're, if you're good with that, they have a, uh, a 28 and a half point uh, point. Wow. 28 and a half win total. Um, I really like watching the Kings. I think the Kings are super fun to watch and I'm also going to take over on this total. Uh, you can go ahead and go through the transactions. Yeah, the Kings are definitely fun to watch. I agree with you there. They added Tyrese Halliburton in the draft, Frank Kaminsky, Glenn Robinson the third, and Hassan Whiteside, who you just talked about. They did lose uh, some some role players that they had. They lost Kent Bazemore, Bogdan Bogdanovich, and Alex Lynn. So pretty interesting offseason for them. I'm going to take the over. It feels like Halliburton, he's playing really well in the preseason so far. He might be the steal that everyone said he was when he slipped on draft night. I mentioned it earlier, Kyle Guy looked really he's looked really good in the preseason so far. I'm not giving up on Badgley yet. He still has a chance to be a really intriguing player in this league. Buddy Heald is a knockdown shooter who can make shots late in games. Um Fox, there's not much to be said about Fox. He's a stud. He he still has uh he could take a leap this year. He just never stops coming at you. He's a good defender. He's a relentless attack in the hoop. He just does it every single night. Um they're still missing a stud. This would have been a great spot for Bradley Beal, but oh well, I guess that's not going to happen. I'm going to take the over. I still think this team can get to 30 wins despite not having the firepower as a lot of the teams that we've already talked about. Yeah, I totally agree. Um, I, I expect steps forward from Badgley and De'Aaron Fox keeps getting better. And, you know, they only have to hit on one of these rookies. And, you know, between Kyle Guy and Halliburton, it looks like one of them is going to be a good NBA player just from the limited amount of time that I've been able to see them. So I, I agree. I'm, I'm going to take the over. Yeah, the Kings are another team. Definitely just to keep your eye on um, a team with a similar win total as the San Antonio Spurs. They come in at 29 and a half. They did not add anyone of note, but they did lose Marco Bellinelli and Bryn Forbes. So Ben, I'm going to get your take here first on the Spurs. Yeah. So if I, I'm going to have to pick one and I really don't want to, because I am not touching this line at all in real life. If I had to pick one, I would take the under though. 
Um, the reason I'm staying away is because I don't like betting against the Spurs and Greg Popovich and everything that that organization has going for it. And I also still really do like the guard depth, even with Bryn Forbes gone. I mean, uh, Derek White, Patty Mills, uh, DeMar DeRozan is just very solid. And I think that they can grind out more wins than expected, just playing this really disciplined style of basketball in these weird, empty arenas. I, you know, They seem like a team that would not get distracted where other teams would. Um, however, I'm taking the under because they're old and have not a whole lot going for them, and there's not really a ceiling with this team, so I'll go ahead and take the floor. Yeah, I'm going to take the under also. I am no longer um, afraid to bet against the whole Spurs and their aura thing just because they've been such a great franchise. That personally has expired for me. I don't really see it with the roster. Look, LaMarcus Aldridge, he's either going to be old and bad or he's going to be good and he's going to be traded. DeMar DeRozan has an afro. That seems like it could be a cry for help. DeJunte Murray just (laughs) doesn't seem like he's going to take that next step that people want him to. Apparently, Rudy Gay is still on this roster and collecting checks for playing in the NBA. I'm going to take the under. I think this could end up being a punching bag for the Western Conference. Uh, There's no way that this team is going to win more games than the Sacramento Kings. I think Vegas is a little crazy for having them projected for one win higher than the Kings. Wow, you you feel very strongly about this. I do not feel as strongly. I'm just not afraid of the Spurs anymore, man. I mean, who am I supposed to be afraid of? Afro DeMar DeRozan? I don't think we're going to be adding him to our power rankings of sports uh, personas anytime soon. I mean, you don't really have to for them to win 32 games. I know, but I don't know. I'm just not, I don't see it with the roster. I think if if LaMarcus Aldridge shows that he has anything left, he's going to be traded. He could be a guy at the Celtics side with that trade exception that we talked about last pod. I just, I know they're going to, they're not going to outright tank just because Popovich is still the coach. And if they were in a rebuild, Popovich probably wouldn't be sticking around for that. I don't think, but I think it's pretty much time for a rebuild in San Antonio. I don't think they have anything left. They lost the shooting in Bellinelli and Forbes. I I don't see it, man. I don't know. You know, you just you talked about Popovich, and my brain just went on a huge tangent. This is going to be super not related to the San Antonio Spurs, but I forgot oh, to talk about it. When we were talking about the Rockets, do you expect with Maury and D'Antoni gone, and it now being Stone and Silas, do you expect like them to shoot the mid-range again? I, I, I totally forgot to bring that up while we were up there. I don't think so. Um, not with the roster they have, because you mentioned it. The roster as a whole is pretty similar to the roster they've had in the past. I think as long as James Harden's on the team, we are going to see a James Harden-ish offense. They might try to get him off the ball a little bit more than Dan Tony had him, but I think overall, you know, when it comes to you know, nut crunch time in the fourth quarter, it's kind of going to be the old Rockets. Well, I just, I, I, and I mean this, I mean this honestly, I don't know how much of the James Harden offense is due to James Harden and how much of it was due to Maury and D'Antoni because we remember James Harden having that mid-range game. You remember that little step back mid-range he used to do at the top of the key all the time in yeah. like tw- in like 2015. I'm just wondering, like, maybe he brings it back. I just, I don't think he brings it back. I feel like personally, I mean, I don't really... I haven't talked to James Harden much lately, but I feel like he has enjoyed playing this James Harden offense. I think he's really enjoyed taking all these step back threes. I think he likes taking 12 to 13 threes a game. I think given the chance, he's going to keep doing it. I mean, could we see a little bit of a different offense? Sure. But, you know, to answer your question, I would say, you know, probably not crazy different, but I mean, you're the Rockets guy, so I would trust your opinion more than mine. Yeah, I mean, I, I, I don't know. That's that's kind of why I'm asking. I'm not sure. I, I think the optimist in me hopes that we see a little bit more of that 2015-16, like James Harden dribbling into the mid-range and taking an easy jumper just because it's more effective in the playoffs, if nothing else, like to just get a clean look. Yeah. But be, I, I don't know. So, you've sorry, gotta, go ahead. You've got to be one of the only guys. You're definitely the only person I've ever heard like rooting for their team to take more mid-range jump shots. That's that's kind of funny to me. Well, yeah, it's because I'm also the only Rockets fan you know. <laughs> I feel like you took a lot of mid-range jump shots. when I could see you taking a lot of step backs from the elbow when you played. Oh, man, I didn't shoot. I had no jump shot. Oh, man, that's unfortunate. Yeah. Anyway, so speaking of the Rockets, the they have owned the Utah Jazz in the last couple of years. That's one thing that they can add to their belts. And so we are going to talk about the Utah Jazz here. Um, the Jazz are the last team we got, man. Time flies by. Man, what if uh, if James Harden were to get traded to the Jazz? 
It's hurt oh, for everyone. I mean, we've talked about Utah Nightlife James Harden. We're going to get that 40 times a year. You've got to be kidding me. He's averaging 60. Easy. 60. He shaves the beard. He goes, he just, he's a clean cut guy. Oh, man. He just becomes a full Mormon. Oh, oh man. Anyway. He goes from Utah, Utah-, Utah Nightlife James Harden to literally Mormon James Harden. <laughs> averaging 60 points a game. If if Can we just put a trade together with like, uh, uh, Joe Ingles and Rudy Gobert, just make it happen, Jazz, please. Oh, please, no. <laughs> Anything but Joe Ingles and Rudy Gobert. <laughs> um, regardless, the Utah Jazz are currently James Hardenless, and they will probably will remain so for the eternity of the franchise. But they do have a total of forty one and a half, which to me seems very low. Um, they added Derek Favors and lost Ed Davis. That is a straight upgrade, and actually a pretty significant one. Um, I, I say the total looks low. I'm not going to dwell on it too long. I'm I'm taking this over. I already said it. The Jazz and Nuggets are the overs that I lock in pretty much every year. They're the only ones with real home court advantages. Uh, yeah, I mean this team is really good, and they I I, I don't think there's any way they win less than 42 games. Yeah, you've got to take the over. I mean, you know exactly what you're getting from the Jazz every single year. They they're a very solid NBA team. They have a solid roster. They have a solid coach. They've been getting it done for years. Basically, in the NBA, whenever stuff goes wrong for all the other teams, it's the Jazz that just go out there, play their game every single night, play solid defense, rebound the ball, take care of the basketball, and put the ball in the hoop when it comes time. Donovan Mitchell was awesome in the playoffs. I expect him to take another step and be awesome in the regular season. Um, I really like the Jazz over 41.5, even though they'll probably just hit the same kind of barrier they hit in the playoffs every single year. Mike Conley is like is the ultimate regular season point guard too. He's just going to will you to, to games by fundamentally sound play, like getting the basketball exactly where it's supposed to be on every possession on every possession and then playing good defense. Yeah. Bounce pass to entry to the post, you know, just little things, basketball, things like that. He's just, he's solid. <laughs> so anyway, with that said, uh, we're going to go ahead and transition into the best, best, seg- best bet segment. We just talked at you about the uh, NBA Western Conference for almost an hour. So if you missed any of it, we're going to go ahead and quickly recap our three favorite picks from the Western Conference. Aaron, I'll let you go ahead and start. Yeah, so I just talked about it. My three favorite picks are going to be the Utah Jazz over, the New Orleans Pelicans over, and the Minnesota Timberwolves under. Ben, uh, what do you have? Uh, I agree with you on the Pelicans over. I think that's a great pick. And, you know, we talked about I think Zion is basically the cherry on top. Uh, I think that team's making the over anyways. Uh, the Oklahoma City under, I actually feel more confident in than even the Timberwolves under because nobody's going to be able to score the ball on that team. And then I really, I'm serious, I really like the Rockets over. I Hopefully that's not just blind fandom talking, but I, I that team has got to be better than 500 anyway you you make the transactions happen. Yep, so those are our best bets. Those are the ones we really recommend uh, maybe going out there and trying to win a little cash on. Ben, I do want to quickly do our league pass slash by the sports rankings. Uh, I'll give you my top three real quick. Uh, it's going to be the golden state warriors. Number one, I'm biased, but also this could, yes, be you re- are. this could be the return of MVP, Steph Curry. You cannot, you will not convince me that there is a more fun player to watch than Steph Curry throwing up heat checks, running the show um, possibly by himself this year. Number two, I'm going to have the New Orleans Pelicans. And number three, I'm going to have the Dallas Mavericks because I do love Luka, even though there are a lot of teams that you could throw into that third slot for me personally. Who you got? I I totally agree. Uh, Number one for me is going to be the New Orleans Pelicans. Number two for me is going to be the Phoenix Suns. And number three for me is actually going to be the Dallas Mavericks. I really wish the Rockets would adopt. If the Rockets just adopted, like if if, uh, Steven Silas brings over the offense that the Mavs ran, I, then I'll put the Rockets there because I really enjoy that brand of basketball that they run where Luka is like baby hard, but everybody else actually moves. Um, but it, it, regardless, the Mavericks are 100% going to be running that offense again. It's going to be very fun. And, and Porzingis is also fun to watch when he's back. So yeah, those are my top three. The Rockets definitely have the potential because look, I'm, I'm kind of a Kentucky fan also. I watched the John Wall DeMarcus Cousins team when they were on Kentucky together. That team was fun to watch. So if we can get that back just a little bit, like 50% with James Harden, I mean, that could be a legitimately, you know, fun situation in Houston. 
Yeah, you you and me are our mutual friend Sean, the the biggest John Wall fan in the world. I I guarantee you that man's gonna be tuning into Rockets games this year just for the Kentucky reunion. Yeah, I do hope uh, John Wall and Cousins are able to stay healthy for that reason. Uh, but with that, Ben, I feel like we got to give out our uh, standings and our top ten teams that will make the playoffs this year with the uh, the play in tournament now allowing ten teams to have a shot. Yeah, we have all the same names in here, so I I don't know how worth it it's gonna be. Our one through four is the exact same. I'm just gonna I'm just gonna go ahead and list that off. We all think it's gonna be Clippers and Nuggets, or we both think it's gonna be Clippers and Nuggets, Lakers, Jazz, and the top four seeds, respectively. We can go ahead and and go into where we differ after that. Yeah. So after that, uh, five through ten, I've got the Mavericks, the Pelicans, the Rockets, the Suns, the Warriors, and then the Blazers sneaking into the last spot. So again, we we all have the same teams in here. I really. I really sort of wanted to put the Grizzlies in the 10 seed somewhere, but I, I couldn't manage to convince myself that they would be better than the Suns. So I have the Rockets as the five seed. Um, I have the Mavs as, as the six seed, the Pelicans, then the Blazers, then the Warriors, and then the Suns. So we don't disagree too too harshly here. It looks like the ones that we disagree the most on are the Suns and the Rockets. Yeah, uh, we could potentially have a situation where there is a – seven versus 10 or eight versus nine little play in game between the Rockets and the Warriors, in which case our apartment uh, back at college, but it could get a little hostile, even though we've kept it, we've kept it pretty professional in the past when they've played each other. Yeah. I, yes. And it's very easy to complain about the Rockets style of basketball. So I, <laughs> I, I, if, if nothing else, I have respect for you for that one. I feel like it might be worse now though, because at least in the past, like I wouldn't really let you have it too bad because you know, we did have Steph Curry and Kevin Durant, so we were favored. But now, if they can win with just Steph Curry and knock out the Rockets again, it I think it, it could be even more hostile than it was in the past. So we'll see. Yeah, we it, we might need to take a break from this friendship for a little while. Like, it, it definitely was that way. I mean, I, whatever. I don't really want to go into this rant, but like the Rockets were never supposed to win any of those series, so that that did help a little bit. Take a break. Sound like Ross from Friends? Yeah. <laughs> I'm serious, man. <laughs> All right. So before we get out of here, I feel like we do have to give, this will be our last overall NBA podcast before the season starts. Once the season starts, I think we will have some NBA pods coming at you, maybe some DFS stuff, but let's go ahead and give both of our uh, NBA finals predictions and our MVP picks. And Ben, I will let you uh, start it off wherever you want to go. Yeah. I mean, I think it's going to be uh, the Milwaukee Bucks winning the finals this year over the Los Angeles Lakers. I think that the Bucks got way better as a team over the offseason. I like all of the options they have. I really like the team defense. I think Giannis can take a step forward in the playoffs. And uh, yeah, I got the Bucks over the Lakers. I will take the Los Angeles Lakers over the Brooklyn Nets. This is not what I'm rooting for because I do not like the Lakers or the Nets, nor any of the players on those teams, really, especially not the top guys too much. But I mentioned I was a little down on the Lakers in the regular season, but man, once the Lakers get in the playoffs, I think they are going to be pretty much unstoppable. There's no reason to expect any regression from LeBron because we literally saw him be the best player in the league like three months ago. Anthony Davis is crazy good. I mentioned how much I like Schroeder and Harrell. They're just, I think they're going to be the best team. And then the Brooklyn Nets, when it comes down to it in a playoff series, I think Kevin Durant is just a better player than Giannis in a playoff series situation. I think you can still game plan for Giannis, even though I think that will be a great matchup if it happens. So yeah, I'm going to go Lakers over the Nets. And while I am ranting for the MVP, I think Luka is going to win the MVP. You're not going to get great value on Luka. I don't know if I would recommend betting it at the low number that he's at right now, but I will throw out there Jokic at 20 to one is probably my favorite value pick because I think there's a path. We both had the Nuggets and the two seed. So if the Nuggets are the two seed and Jokic is putting up uh, numbers that we expect, I think he could get a little love from the media this year. So I don't hate that as a long shot. Yeah, the Jokic pick would be a lot of, uh, I think, a product of a lot of voter fatigue. Just if everybody is tired of voting for Giannis and and Harden and they want to you know vote for somebody else. But I think that's certainly possible. Um, Luca is the favorite for a reason for the MVP. It's, uh, you know, if I had to put money on somebody, it would be Luca. I'm probably not putting money on anybody. I would be interested at throwing some money at James Harden, 16 to one. If he isn't traded, he might take a step forward in this offense. It might be a new offense. Even if it's not a new offense, Russell Westbrook ISO possessions are being cut out. So, uh, he might get even a little more, uh, burn. Uh, and then if he does get traded, he gets out of Houston. The media is probably a little less harsh on him once he leaves Houston, just because, you know, the narrative is that he's basically failed here for the last four years. So 
um, you know, 16 to one for Harden isn't, isn't terrible value either. Yeah. He's definitely, there's still a chance he goes up there and puts up like 35 points a game, in which case he is definitely going to be in the discussion. And with that, we have dropped all of the preseason NBA knowledge that we have come up with. We mentioned it. The Eastern conference pod is already up. This pod will be uploaded uh, on Thursday. So you can listen to both of those back to back, do whatever you want with them. We will be coming at you with more NBA stuff as the season goes on. And, Besides that, Ben, we will have our NFL show coming up this weekend, as we always do. And uh, that's pretty much all I got. Yeah, the the NFL pod, uh, the Daily Fantasy pod will be out Saturday morning, Friday night, basically. So uh, be on the lookout for that. If you enjoy this, please feel free. And you're on uh, Apple Music or iTunes. Please feel free to give us a five-star review. If you're on Spotify, feel free to uh, follow us on Twitter at Cash Landing Pod and interact with us there. We uh, we got some big caches the other the other week but i guess we'll talk about that on saturday um so anyway yeah that 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 is going to do it for both me and aaron and we'll see you next time thank you for listening